This episode of First Line is sponsored by TrueLearn. TrueLearn is an exam prep company best known for their smart banks that turn your weak areas into your strengths. I decided to partner with TrueLearn because it is the only company I trusted for preparation for Comlex Level 1 and Level 2. Each TrueLearn SmartBank practice question has detailed answer explanations and succinct bottom lines to get the big learning takeaway. For my listeners taking the USMLE, TrueLearn also has an amazing USMLE SmartBank. If you are in your third year, TrueLearn also offers SmartBanks for shelf exams and Comat shelf exams. Go to truelearn.com and use one of my special discount codes for up to $35 off your subscription. Special discount codes can be found in the episode description. Welcome to First Line. My name is Aubrey Ann Jackson, and I am a student doctor in my last year of medical school. First Line brings listeners of all backgrounds together to discuss whole body health and wellness through an osteopathic lens. First Line covers tangible ways to improve your health, how to succeed in medical school, and various topics in healthcare, including mental health, all while holistically addressing the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. First Line is hosted by Anchor. First Line can also be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Stitcher, Amazon and Audible, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Castro, Player FM, Podbean, TuneIn, Reason, and iHeartRadio. I can think back just three years ago with the type of concerns that I've had, the questions that I had, the things that I was unsure about. Really wished that I had more information going in, but I know a lot of people do start medical school without a ton of information, and they do fine, but I think more information is always better, so I want to go over some of the more common concerns to have, and also the things that I did early on in medical school that maybe I wish I hadn't, or things that I'm really glad that I have done. So first of all, just a kind of disclaimer is that I am speaking from my own experience. Students that go to other medical schools might have a very different experience and this advice might not be applicable, but I'm I'm trying to make it as general as possible so that you'll get something out of it. That being said, even if you go to the same school as me, three years later, things are going to be a little bit different, but I hope that the advice that I'm sharing can be applicable to most medical students. Most schools have a sort of orientation. I would strongly encourage you to pay close attention to your orientation. You shouldn't already be studying before orientation. I would even recommend taking complete time off, whether you were taking a gap year to work I'd strongly encourage you to have at least a week or two of not working. And if you were still in school, I'd strongly encourage you to schedule all of your courses and things that you have to do to school so that you have some kind of summer vacation before first year starts. And from my own experience, I actually got married 
less than a month before classes started or before orientation started. And so that was a really fast turnaround. So part of preparing for a wedding was pretty high intensity. So I'm glad that I had two weeks of a sort of vacation and time to spend with my husband before I got started. So that's just an example of you want to make sure that you are starting from your baseline of zero stress. So you want to take a break and you want to not start studying or reviewing anything before you start medical school because it's going to go zero to 100 really fast. And any time that you put in before that, I don't think will really matter. I think it's more important that you start from a good baseline of the most energy that you can give it from the start instead of having any level of exerted energy before you start. And that's just something that I'm I'm glad that I did it that way. Yeah, you want to pay attention during orientation, take good notes, know what your school has to offer. I think orientation is a thing where people are so excited to get started that they kind of can't focus on what is actually the information actually being given to them. They just want to get started and get studying. I think for for me, as someone who does enjoy learning, I think most medical students to an extent enjoy learning or they wouldn't have done so well in school up to this point. So I took a gap year like on purpose. Part of my plan was to take a gap year so that I would have a little bit more time to refresh. So after my gap year, I was just ready to go back into learning. I was really excited for it. And so that's the energy that you want to have. I also thought that I was a little bit too invested in trying to make friends with everyone and trying to be super social and get to know everyone. Whereas after orientation, most of the people I didn't really talk to anymore and I spread myself a little thin so I didn't really even have a core group of friends leaving orientation either so I think I put my energy in the wrong space as far as that goes but I think it is helpful to have a solid group of friends um, especially if you are one of those people that study really well in a group setting then that might be an important thing for for you to know. For me, I was never the kind of person that wanted to have study groups throughout undergrad. And in high school, I I actually really liked group projects. But um, when it came to studying and preparing for individual performance, I usually found my time to be a little bit more productive studying by myself. And that's just because I do enjoy talking with people and I find it a little bit distracting and it just takes longer. Whereas when I'm studying by myself, I know what what I need to learn and I can pinpoint those areas instead of having to pinpoint other people's problem areas as well. But I know a lot of people really need really need more of that external motivation and being part of a group. So during the first semester, I actually did join a study group. We had like meetings to discuss how we were going to go about holding our study group sessions. And for me, that just seemed very unnecessary and time consuming to do that. And then once we actually did have our sessions of studying, we went through 
practice questions, but I felt like the work that we put in, we probably spent like two hours together. I think the work that we put in, I probably could have gotten done by myself in a half hour. And yeah, there was a few concepts that my study partners were able to explain to me and I understood them better, but I really questioned whether I could have just as easily looked it up in a textbook or one of my study resources. And so for me, I really wish that I had more self-reflection enough to say I'm not going to study best with a study group. I actually study way better by myself. I was a little bit under peer pressure because I saw so many other students were part of study groups and I wasn't. I must be doing something wrong. And it didn't help that my first semester of medical school, my GPA, so just my grades in general, were the lowest that they would ever be. And I didn't know that at the time. I thought that I was just going to be a below average medical student and I wanted to be better. So I saw that, well, one thing I wasn't doing that other people were doing was having a study group. So I thought that that was the way to go. Honestly, it probably hurt me a little bit just because it made everything slower when it came to studying. That's just to say that you really do have to know yourself and know how how you study. Another thing is, I think really the first semester of medical school is all about learning how you study best. So the quicker you can pick this up, the better off you'll be because the techniques that I picked up as the first semester went on were the techniques that I continue to use throughout the rest of my education. Part of that is testing out different methods. So maybe it was good that I did test out group studying because then I knew to cross that off on my list. But you're going to try other things too to see what works. So some of the things I tried and figured out didn't really work for me is reading textbooks. For most students, this is not the best way to learn. And many older professors and older doctors will really shudder when I say that, but unfortunately, just reading textbooks is very passive learning and doesn't really lead to good long-term success. So if you are someone who really does learn best with reading, First of all, you are in the minority. Um, Second of all, you need to incorporate some kind of active element. So you need to maybe read a few paragraphs of the textbook and do some sort of recall, whether that is turning away from the page and then trying to summarize what you just read or writing notes in your own words as you're going along or making flashcards. A lot of people would make their own Anki flashcards, which I'll talk about in a bit. But you have to incorporate something to make it active learning because just reading a textbook probably isn't going to stick with you, even if you learn really well while reading. You need to incorporate something else. I was definitely a textbook reader in undergrad, but then I realized in medical school how much of a waste of time it is for me to read a chapter of a textbook and then 
not be able to, if someone asked me what I just read, I wouldn't really be able to summarize it. And a lot of textbooks are actually written in more details than what a medical student might need. So medical school you'll hear is it's similar to drinking water from a fire hose, right? So there is just so much information that you need to know. So any information that you're learning that is in addition to everything that you're supposed to be learning is a waste of your time. So if you're learning more than you need to learn, then that means that you're taking away time that you could be learning what you actually do need to know. And I promise you, learning the information that you do need to know will take up all of your time. So therefore, anything that isn't going to be relevant to your exams, probably you don't need to spend your time. And unfortunately, many of the textbooks, especially in first year medical school, are written by PhDs and written at the level of PhDs and many of the lectures you'll likely be given in your first year are going to be given by people that have PhDs. So you need to know that some of the information you're going to be given, whether it's lectures or whether it is in textbooks, are going to go above and beyond and go into more detail than what you actually need to know. Make sure you are paying attention to clinical correlates. So when you're learning, for example, the Krebs cycle, this is a very stereotypical example and I'm using that for a reason. The Krebs cycle, not terribly important to memorize every single step. Maybe your medical school does test on it, but mine did not. Not as applicable to know every single step and every single biochemical reaction that's going on, but it is important to know how the Krebs cycle comes into play with medicine, right? So you need to be telling yourself every time you're learning something, which the first semester of medical school, at least for my school, was a lot of biochemistry and a lot of basic sciences. It was really my biology undergraduate degree condensed into one semester. It's a lot of information, so it's really important every step of the way to say, why am I learning this? Why is this important for medicine? Because in most cases, how your exams are going to work are going to focus on those correlates. So it's important that you're incorporating that into your learning and think ahead to second year two and studying for step one and level one. Think about how this information could be used to ask a question about someone's care, so about a patient, um, because in second year, everything is going to be in the context of asking you questions about patient, so just prepare yourself for that. Think about why you're learning what you're learning. Don't treat it as much like the basic science courses that you took in undergrad. So in many cases, your school will still require you to know nitty-gritty details, but just try to put what you're learning in context, um, especially when it comes to thinking about when biochemical reactions go wrong, what sorts of things can it cause? So that's going to be really important to just get into that mindset of thinking about why you're learning something and not just memorizing it. I do want to also mention other ways of learning. One is using Anki. So Anki is something that I actually picked up 
in the summer after my first year of medical school and something I wish I picked up sooner. So this is something that I do tell first year students that maybe you should start incorporating this. And another thing that I would mention is some students choose to make their own flashcards. I do not necessarily recommend this. I have never done it myself. I have chosen to use pre-made decks and I am forever grateful for people that do make cards. And that's just because I feel like making Anki cards is very time consuming. And I think it can be so time consuming that you make the cards and then you never end up using them. So this is similar to an undergrad when I would start a new semester and I would I would buy note cards and colorful pens and highlighters and I would try to start the semester on the right foot by making flashcards and making them look really pretty and I would then end up never using the flashcards, never really studying from them because it took so much time to make those flashcards that it took out the time that I actually got to spend studying from them. So if you're someone that does take a while to craft things and if you're any bit of a perfectionist, then making your own cards might be setting yourself up for failure actually. So I always made pre-made decks and they were made specifically for step one. And I started that the summer after my first year. But I do know that there are decks around that are meant for first year students. And that might be a good thing to include. I also know that um, you could even use a deck that is meant for the level of step one. The deck I used was called Zonky, which is one of the more popular decks to use. And that's the one that I always recommend because it's written in a way that the flashcards have very short answers. And I found that other decks kind of force you to list like five to 10 things. So these only have like one answer. So you can go through them a lot faster. And that's what I see the purpose of flashcards as being anyway. So um, the Zonky deck, for example, um, it's broken down by subject and basically body system. So there's even one that is specific to biochemistry and the first semester of med school is very biochem heavy so that might be something that is worth doing and then even for the other body systems on Zonki some of them break down to only focus on like physiology which at least with my med school first year was focused on physiology and then second year was focused on pathology in a very loose sense. So I kind of wish that I went through all of like the physiology cards in first year because I think those would have not only prepared me for boards and starting those cards early, but it would have helped me on the uh, school exams that I would have too. So important to know in first year, you are really focusing on getting good grades on your school exams. Your school exams are the only thing that you should be worried about. Second year is when you start worrying about board exams because board exams are the level one, step one of boards is done after your second year usually. And then the, the second set of board exams is done after your third year. So first year is really about learning how to study 
which sounds weird because everyone's already done an undergraduate degree, but I, I promise you studying in med school is very different. So you have to learn how to study, learn how you study most effectively because you are going to have a more limited amount of time because there is just so much information that you have to know. So learning how to study and doing well on your exams is going to be super important and that's where your focus is going to be. So what's another way to learn? Well, from lectures, of course, right? So yes, there are schools that have more of a problem-based learning and like group setting learning. And then there's some schools, they have more self-directed paths. But for the vast majority of schools, you're going to have lectures. And so I really do, especially in first year, I strongly advise you to go to all of your lectures. I also strongly advise you if you have the option of viewing lectures after they happen and watching them online, I actually recommend doing that instead of going in person. I wish I did that earlier, but for many schools, they probably have required lectures that you do have to show up. But if you have the option of watching from home after it happens, I recommend that because you can skip over the parts of maybe the professor coming in late and setting up. You can skip over those parts. Um, you can cut on travel time of actually going into the school. You can pause if you need to write something down. You can rewind if you miss something. And you can watch it on double speed or 1.5 speed or 1.25 speed. If someone talks really slow, or if you're kind of familiar with the information and you can pick up on it at a faster pace, which for most students, they have no problem watching at like, especially 1.5 speed is pretty easy to do. So that's just what I recommend doing. If you are someone that really benefits from asking questions, then of course you want to show up to lectures to ask those questions. Just make sure that you are mindful of other students. So don't ask questions that are really, really into the details of things that you actually don't need to know. Because for the vast majority of the time, the lecturer is al already going to be giving you what you need to know. So the only questions that you should really be asking are like clarifying questions and not really asking questions, trying to stump the professor or trying to really go into detail. And you definitely don't want to ask questions that involve you making statements. You want to ask questions because then it's just a waste of your time and you're also bothering other students because they are also sitting through the same lecture and you're just making the lecture longer when it doesn't need to be. If you do really want to say something that you might think is like other students won't benefit from, then that's something that you would want to talk to the professor after they give the lecture. And that's perfectly fine. You can say whatever you want after the lecture. So that's just why I would recommend. If you are a student that really wants to talk to professors after lectures, then you probably want to show up for the lecture and then ask that question shortly after. Even if you watch from home though, you can always go to professors' office hours. They usually have those. Um, and that's something I've taken advantage of a few times because of biochemistry concepts that I just didn't understand. So that's just something to keep in mind. 
But I think for the majority of students, they'd probably be better off watching lectures remotely and watching them after they've occurred so that you can do that pause, rewind, and um, even watch it at a faster speed, which really does cut down on the time of watching lecture and then you have more time to actually review that lecture. Along with that, so a technique that really worked well for me that I continued to use throughout first year and also second year, so anytime I was given a lecture, I would do this, that for every one hour of lecture, I would write down key points, points that I think would be tested on, on one side of paper. So for each one hour lecture, I would use one side of paper and I would write down the key points, the points that I think would be tested on. And they would be in bullet form, really easy to read. And those would take me maybe a half hour per sheet. So I actually started out the year, actually for the majority of the first year, I actually went to lecture. So I would spend an hour watching lecture and then I would spend a half hour reviewing the lecture using the PowerPoint as the guide. So I wouldn't do this during the lecture. I would put 100% of my focus into the lecture and taking notes. And by taking notes, I mean I wouldn't add information. If the professor explained something better than the PowerPoint did, I would add that in. So I wouldn't really get bogged in the details that professors add into their PowerPoints because for the vast majority of the time, if something's going to be tested, it's going to be on the PowerPoint slides. But I would add information if I thought it led to better understanding of what was on the slides. So I would do that during the lecture and then it's when I got home reviewing the lecture that I spent about a half hour per lecture hour to review the PowerPoint and take these notes on the one-sided piece of paper. And I found that it took me a lot longer than a half hour to start with. And eventually I learned that I was spending way too much time doing this. So I cut it down to limiting myself to a half hour per hour of lecture. And with these papers, they were short enough that on the weekend before an exam, I could review these twice through. So on Saturday, I would usually read through all of it and I would highlight things that I didn't remember, things that I wanted to look over again. And on Sunday, the day before the exam, I would look over all of my highlights, okay? And also the Sunday before an exam, I would go through all of my PowerPoints so that I would get all of the information, not just the highlights. I would look through all of the information at least once more. So what am I doing the rest of the time? Well, the rest of the time, well, at least the first year, I was studying a lot for anatomy. I was reading a little bit through textbooks too, which I later found out was not a good use of my time. And I was also doing practice questions, most of which I found from the textbooks. So I was mostly using the textbooks for their practice questions because the practice questions in textbooks were more geared towards the basic sciences, the physiology that was going to be tested on during the first year. Because if I was starting to use question banks that are geared towards step one, level one, then they would be too much above what I needed. So I was really using these basic science 
practice questions. So when professors are are saying what textbooks they were citing their things from, pay attention to the ones that have question banks within the textbooks or have codes for practice questions because those are going to be where you're going to get a lot of your learning because um, those often inspire the practice questions that inspire the questions that are actually going to show up on your exam. So um, those I would really prioritize and then especially the ones you get incorrect, make sure you are going into detail about why you got that question wrong and what information you needed to know in order to get that question right. And it does help if they are part of a textbook because then you can just look through that chapter of the textbook to get that understanding. So those are things that I'm glad that I did um, in first year. Let me know that you like First Line. If you are listening on Spotify, tap the star to rate the show. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, scroll down and tap to rate or write a review. Thank you so much for your support. You can follow First Line on Instagram at First Line Podcast or on Facebook, facebook.com slash firstlinepodcast. Stay tuned for a new episode every Monday.